Welcome to the Fish Tea Podcast, where we talk about LGBTQ politics, pop culture, growing up in the Caribbean, life in the diaspora, and the work it takes to sustain love, life, and laughter in the midst of all the white noise. I'm Glenroy. And I'm Lanvel. We're giving you everything, honey. Get into this mouth. We're serving you a hot cup of fish tea. Bottoms up. You know, I just realized we're only in a school. Like all of y'all. We are. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's true. these last days. I mean, I'm planning on going back. I wanted to do it this year, but we just forgot the topic. But yeah. But I just realized that I'm only in a school. And I, well, at different stages of it and stuff like that. So, how you been? How's school and everything? What you been? Um, I think the semester started and ended a little quickly. Um, yeah, the semester has finished already. Um, <laughs> four weeks out of it, we are on strike. And now I have to um, be writing papers for the end of the semester. So by May 30, I should be finished officially with semester one. And then I can get to... Well, we're supposed to start dissertation in summer, but... I'm not really about that life. I'll read two papers and start collect some information, but I'm not about that life. I'm going to be frolicking. Um, <laughs> hoping I can check down Notting Hill um, in August. I'll be at UK Black Pride. I'm happy to see UK Black Pride return. Um, mm. In 2020, I, re- I was really looking forward to UK Black Pride. I'm happy to see that UK Black Pride um, is returning. But yeah. Most things yeah, are good. I tell you one of my best experiences in life. All I can remember is after the day done, I sit up on one roadside and eat one cheese fries can make for fun of it. All my friends end up getting blind on the way back in the tube. But all right now, it was temporary blindness. Chad, it, was a, it was a whole vibe. I'm glad that happened. So, yeah, more, more experience. But it's, don't be like me. Oh, it still never really start writing dissertation while with a chip down at Notting Hill Carnival. Oh, right? no, no, no. <laughs> I've, 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 I, th- I, I think the good thing with this this one is that it's way less. The, my first master's was 20,000 words and and I never know I could have read up to 20,000. So this is this is half of that. I think I'm, and a big part of what I learned from the first one, I didn't do, I left like the lit review too late uh, and and because that kind of cement or that kind of help you to kind of frame um your research that kind of held me back but i used in this time to kind of to to enjoy but also to I, I think hindsight is a thing so i know now what to do um going forward and you know loki that's what i love about my field like we technically don't have to do lit reviews i mean right, let me reframe that so when you have the legal scholarship, the methodology really doesn't change. All you're gonna review laws and review cases. Mm-hmm. So you don't kind of justify the methodology more like too tough. It yeah. might justify your focus, but you won't justify like your methodology, right? So even though in my dissertation, I remember saying, saying why I was looking at the literature, I was looking at technically the entire paper was just one big literature review. You didn't mm-hmm. think about it that way. And so there was, you know, because I remember when like Sue was doing hers, she'd have, she spent a lot of time trying to figure out 
what methodology was she was going to use and justifying her methodology. And I just read everything and then make one argument and it makes sense. <laughs> Which, fingers crossed. So uh, my the dissertation where I decided to turn into an academic publication, like mm-hmm. shift the focus and stuff like that. So I got the feedback from the two reviewers early, I think in uh, April. And so we got it. It wasn't a lot of feedback. It was very minor things, uh, mostly like expression of it. And so we, resub- we resubmitted yesterday um, so that hopefully everything will be ready by summer. So we can finally have Moriana Anglet 2020. Published. The month My of Tokyo. The month of February 2022. Angling 2022. Because it's it's been such a long journey. I now realize how long the academic review process is. Mm-hmm. I literally late 2020, I think we submitted our early 2021. And the fact that it took so long just to get the reviews and stuff like that. And it took up it took a long time because I remember coming back and say, and I remember the comment of my supervisor saying, this is of publishable quality. And the first mm-hmm. thing I did was shop around and talk to people about how I could turn it into something publishable. And then when the opportunity came up, we said, all right, finally. And then just how long it took. I'm like, the research even really fun no more. But, you know, it's there. So I'm excited for that. But then I get on, right? May I try to start up the building? So that we can all be in the new place by June. But work, work not got tree bad. I, I ain't gonna lie, right? Things not got tree bad. May I gear up for um, Doc, Dr. Strange and the Multiverse of Madness as we want everybody already, right? Madness, <laughs> right? I'm going to the movie ready for argue with anybody who have anything to say. No I will know, you know, Uma Avidam and already. <laughs> So we will show you what I am going to and what's like our real house about like to start back today. We want everybody this week. You're gonna it's gonna be a mess on the internet. Complete and utter mess. It's I mean, going to be that we have fully power for the team and coming back a bunch of meetings, but complete and utter mess. And, and the other part of my life, it, 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 you know, I'm cute with coffee right now, but we tell the after kind of. <laughs> And then someone can't talk on your below. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. You know what is I like even like going back to the, the whole research thing. I kind of I'm very happy when like Jamaicans and as you say, like will it be will it be relevant? Is it relevant? No, like you what you did, I, I'm not sure anybody else looked at what you did. And I, and I always say that you we we struggle, not that Jamaicans aren't doing research. But we don't know where to find them. So, so I'm true. very happy. I'm very happy when people write papers and they get them published, just because it's needed. Information from our context is kind of needed rather than us kind of relying on um, information from um, Europe, um, European countries, from America, and kind of making correlation to Jamaica. Um, I, I always commend people who say, "All right, cool." I did this on Jamaica and I'm going to publish it. Right. I, and as I said, that some of us are, you know, remember just, and I imagine you're experiencing this now. I remember like most of, I think six of my eight term papers that I had to submit are thereabouts or seven, like the majority of them 
Where about the Jamaican context? And I kid you not. Had I not gone into that program with one access to a lot of the research already um, and just that kind of knowledge, it would have been hell finding information about like, the Jamaican context. Because the UK don't business, but we're going to the Caribbean. You know? Exactly. So, like, even finding like, any type of scholarship on it. Like, I feel like in the America, in a, probably American universities, you'll find a little bit more information about what's happening in Jamaica. And, and Big Up Soros so had a really good library, actually love their library. Um, I was surprised how many things I was actually able to find. But at the School of Oriental African Studies, you know, say, there's very little on yeah. what is happening in the Caribbean. Yeah. Um, and so trying to write papers on my Jamaican countries. I remember I was specifically, I remember the one that I, I enjoyed doing it with the most was when I was doing Ram Society in Southeast Asia. Come mm-hmm. say, because there was this course I wanted to do. I never realized it. I mean, since we do the course, because we know the information already, so I'm going to change courses. So I'm going to say, you know what? Let me learn about the Southeast of Asia and how the girls work there. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to say, all right, so I'm going to write one of the paper. I'm going to really, really like learn something, but I'm going to really. <laughs> I'm going to say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to compare Jamaica and Singapore. Um, and I did really well on that paper comparing whether or not w- using a land development lens, mm-hmm. we could have the same type of like progress that they could have look, focusing on their approach to the rule of law and law making and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that was an interesting paper. So even in some way far removed from the Jamaican context, I was still able to kind of infuse Jamaican discourse in it. And I learned a lot because I did not, I did not know that, for example, Lee Kuan Yew had come to Jamaica and passed some dirty remarks um, about Jamaica at the time. So reading his memoirs and seeing that in there and seeing references to Jamaica in there was very interesting um, while doing that kind of comparative analysis. So sometimes you just buck up on some things and you're like, heck, oh, yeah. 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 We could we could have a whole conversation. Well, this is not what the, the today's podcast episode is is about. But we could have a whole whole conversation, and that is why. And in my final point, and this is why, I like when 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 Shivnas, I tell Shivnas that don't don't go in the system and try to reproduce work for the system. Um, do work that is relevant to where you're from. Um, allow them, these are academics who have studied in the system. Most of the papers that you're going to write are going to be boring to them. Um, write about your own context. Give us, give us papers that um, you can take back home and we can use. We need that. That is part of the reason that you're there. But anyways, on to, t- to today's episode. Hello. I actually have some like, so I'm going to do this one because it was like a bigger one. And most of it was like pre-written. I have some topics that I want to flesh out some more based on what I like, what I wrote on while I was in my master's program. I just haven't had the time to come around it, but things that change you now, I may have shift for focus. But as you say, let's talk about the things then. I don't know, key this have a little, you know, informational research element. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. So for today, we're talking about uh, the discussion of, I mean, it's very legal. But it's the discussion of can be is being called gay defamatory or I guess being called a homosexual, being called what an F word. When you can't say that to man, I don't need this, but you know, I said the F word and it's been written that words. Um, but yeah, it's being called that defamatory. And 
Um, I mean, it's come up recently because you know of the recent case um, with the the JFF head. But as I, I think I've shared with like different persons, it's a conversation that I've been faced with for years since I've been working at JFLAG. Like people have asked if this is a route that they can go. It's it's something that's very. It, it, it's an area that forces me as somebody who, you know, a queer person who understands the protection, quote unquote, that you could offer, but on the other side, wait me and rely on it. Yes, so it, it's something I'm curious about. So long story short, look at background. There was, uh, in 2017, um, uh, the now JFF head I had called, a member of the JFF, or it was on a radio program, I don't remember which one, um, and had brought up that, among other things, the reason why the, the man in question is having issues with um, working in Clarendon was because uh, he was uh, because of his allegedly unacceptable homosexuality. Um, so he didn't say homosexuality, but he suggested um, that the man was queer and that um, because of that, um, that's why I'm out of issues and why nobody know want to play for the team they when work with and stuff like that. So it, it led to an entire, you know, case happening and a whole, um, and he won the suit. It was a default judgment. And kids, a default judgment means that you did, the, the, the claim was not defended because from the very quick, I remember Bola you have a year to respond um, when someone sues you for something. So if you don't file your defense and you particularize your defense within a certain time, then the person can apply for a default judgment to be entered against you. Um, you technically can apply to have it set aside. You have good reasons for it to be set aside, but the default judgment was entered. So the case that ended up you know, being available, and it's available on the Supreme Court website, was actually the assessment of the damages, so how much money the man get, know that default judgment was entered against him. So the man did a challenge how much he's supposed to pay and whatever. So yeah. Um, before we go on, any questions? Because I think boom, we might have to give the girls just a little bit of the basics of what information is, or you just want to go into that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe I know the basics of like no really, no, no really. Um, I think the basic that I know about defamation is um, you saying anything that would kind of lower you in the mind of what they say is a right thinking or well thinking um, person. Um, so yeah, I think that that is a, the, the basic definition that um, I know of um, um, defamation. Okay, so that's a part of it. So for defamation, it's what we call a tort. It's what you can sue somebody for. So defamation happens when one person, A, says something about another person, B, that is defamatory to another person, C. So A says something about B to C, right? And so there has to be something that is defamatory. It has to be published whether verbally or uh, written, and it has to be said to another person outside of who it is about. So if I tell about things to you, right, it's not defamatory unless the next person is hearing it, right? So that's what makes it defamatory. And there are all kinds of conversations about the different elements. So for example, 
a husband and a wife can commit defamatory against each other, for example. So when people talk about you can't say anything about tears uh, false about anybody because they're not legally considered a separate person you can defame people to. Um, Is it and, the same thing for parliament? There's a the rule that happens in parliament that anything that you see in parliament is absolutely um, privileged. Yes. So it's a defense to defamation. So it's not that it can't be seen as defamatory, it's just that they can't sue for what happens in parliament because of you know rules about separation of powers and things like that. Right? So there are different defenses to defamation because you can say something defamatory to somebody, but there's a defense to it. So for example, if we call somebody a thief, right? That would lower them in a day. So that's the test of whether something is defamatory, whether you can, whether it will lower them in the minds of right-thinking members of society. So if somebody got irritated, say, why is something wrong with you? And they're gonna shun you as a result of what I heard, right? Um, the fact of the shunning doesn't have to happen. So the thing about defamation is actionable per se, meaning that I don't have actually I don't have to actually prove that I suffered damage because of what mm -hmm. you said. So it's not like negligence, you have to prove damage. No, mm -hmm. defamation, the fact that it's already and it can do reputational harm, that is enough for me to be able to sue you for it. Uh, so um, there are defenses to defamation. The, the obvious one is that it's true. So it's not different. It's not, it, even if I say something, even if I call you a thief, if, um, if I have proof, you've stolen something, then it's not defamation because I have the, 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 the defense of justification. And there are other like uh, defenses, for example, you have fair comment, which is once something is already put out there. So some facts have been put out there. If I make a statement, which amounts to, and this is an oversimplification by the way, which amounts to an assessment of the statement. So one fact was put out in a newspaper and I comment on it, then you, me commenting on something that's already out there is can be considered fair comment. And so that's a defense, that's a, that's a defense to defamation. And then there is some, there's qualified privilege, um, which is very similar and a lot of media people try to use to, to say, I should be able to say these things. Um, but, it, but those things have different like rules where, one I don't remember and two I can't bother getting that, and three they're relevant to the conversation here. And then the last thing I will say about defamation is that you don't actually have to call a person's name to defame them. If, by the way, you make, you make a statement, it, is, it can be reasonably deduced who you're talking about, um, especially, so like on Twitter, where the girls have put the asterisk in a people name, or them likes a such person, whatever, whatever. If anybody reading it can reasonably deduce what you're saying, then... Um, it can still be a defamatory statement, even though you never call a person names. It's also important to understand that that the in, that if, that the innuendos that you that a statement may have can be deemed defamatory. So even if the words themselves aren't defamatory per se, but if the implication of the words are defamatory, um, then um, it could be defamatory. So that's also important to understand as well. So that's the basic legal rundown of what defamation is and how it works. Now, before I go into my diatribe about the 
the cautionary tale of Oscar Wilde. Um, well, you know, you know, you know, I was going to say that somewhere because we've been we've been talking about it for a while. Somewhere in this, we have to um, <laughs> talk about Oscar. <laughs> we have to listen every time anybody asks about his powers, we have Oscar. But um, the uh, before we even get into that. And why and why I think defamation, this particular thing is a double-edged sword, double-edged sword when it comes down to the community. Um, how you feel about whether or not being called gay should be considered defamatory? Although, and just to be clear, but up until this case um, that we're discussing, you know, the recent case, I st- I am still, and he's not a liar, but I'm still yet to find a case that's explicitly said within the Jamaican context that being called gay is defamatory. Of course, it was an argument that can be made because any lawyer would say, you saying this would make people shun you, da 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 da. So I think everybody presumed that that would have been the outcome. But until then, until this case, it hasn't. I've I've not seen a case that it's been specifically articulated as such. I still have to take that case with a grain of salt. but yeah, and I haven't been a sinner. And then I know the British cases, the British case that I read, I don't remember what it's called, basically say, actually it's not defamatory to call somebody gay. So yeah, but I want your perspective. But Major, I think like the, the readings I've seen, a lot of them have come out of um, the US. And I know there was, I can't remember specific, specifically, but I know, um, there's a court in the U.S. who had um, overruled um, or overturned um, a case. I can't remember the specifics um, of the case, um, and basically saying that calling somebody gay or homosexual. Um, and I know that they, said that was kind of a landmark case because before people, a lot of people used to go to um, the court with cases saying that, oh, you know, somebody call him gay, somebody call him homosexual. And it was tried, and of course, the per- it, it was ruled that that is um, a defamatory statement. But I guess be- there's a, a lot of what I'm, I've been seeing is that it depends on society and how society views um, homosexuality. And because homosexuality has kind of um, laws have been kind of passed to kind of protect um, LGBT persons in workplace or generally. Um, because society has kind of evolved, it, it can no longer be seen as um, defamatory to call um, somebody gay or homosexual. But I think my thing, my general thing is just that I've never, I've not seen an explanation as to, of course, yes, it is um, defamatory to call. I've never seen any ruling explain why um, it is defamatory to call somebody gay um, or homosexual, or I guess you just go by what defamation is um, to kind of say, all right, this is why. Um, and, and based on what people in society hold as people who are gay or people who are homosexual, that is what we're kind of using. And also if societal attitude towards LGBT people is kind of one of the, the, the large things that we use, our judges use to kind of make a ruling in countries such as like look Jamaica for example if if we don't um repeal um like because I think repealing the Bogri law 
would kind of signal that, okay, we're kind of moving um, away from that. If, if such a thing um, doesn't happen, like where 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 are we we're still we would still be at the same place where yes if I call you um gear homosexual it can be can still be classified or um as defamatory I I think my my thing is the reliance on how society feels about um the issue that seems to take a a a, a heavy weight on the rulings. Well, it would have to because I mean. That's the thing about defamation, like unlike some other like causes of action, right? And that's why it's such a weird space, right? Now, if my tumpy, my tumpy, and that's an assault, and you can sue, or, or a battery, and you can, you can sue me for that, like, you know, depending on anybody think about it. When it comes to defamation, uh, and it's about notions of reputational damage, it's about notions of how people think about me. The very test of what is defamatory is inherently subjective, I think. It says it's anything that, even though in law, when we talk about the reasonable minded person, it's an objective test, but it's a subjective test. Let's be very honest. Uh, and the judge who sit on there gonna tell you what the reasonable man think. And the judge are gonna decide who the reasonable man is. And that in itself is a subjective process. Um, but you have to think about, you know, what the, who the reasonable man is, where is society on this particular issue. So maybe, a uh, hundred years ago, it would be defamatory. So for example, a common thing in the common law about um, that used to be considered defamatory, and I don't think it is anymore following the, 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 the act that was passed um, in Jamaica. And we have legislation now that deals with it, not just common law. Uh, is the, if you said a woman was promiscuous, it used to be considered defamatory. That position is a bit unclear now because of how society has shifted um, as far as attitudes to women's sexuality has changed, right? But, or something as simple as they say a woman have a child out of wedlock, to, to be more straightforward. A hundred years ago, that probably would have been considered defamatory. But no, of course, it would not. So there is this like The challenge for me is that, you know, as we talk about what it means, I don't know what metric a judge is using to make that determination, right? So for example, the judge in the particular case kind of did just decide, to, well, you're Jamaica homophobic. Um, and I'm not denying that we do have homophobia in Jamaica. Um, it's just an assessment was made on society without reference to facts. And there was, and, and maybe it wasn't for the judge to do that additional so, so, socio-cultural research and whatever, maybe it really was for the person, or maybe references were made to it being defamatory in a, the pleadings that was that didn't end up before then. It's just I'd like to think that there is research available. You, you can, to a certain extent, quantify the realities of a range of marginalized communities, and so the fact that there was no reference to that leaves the space for any judge to kind of say, well, there are people who still think that being queer makes you less than, and so it would reduce, reduce you in their minds and therefore. And that's the part about defamation claims on this issue. There's this, what I call a tacit acceptance 
of homophobia in it, in it, right? It's like you're accepting homophobia as the norm and you're allowing people who aren't gay, because of course, if you're not, if you're queer and it can be proven and you can't benefit from it. So you're allowing straight people to say, or cishet people to say, well, me are not one of them and I don't want to be called one of them. And because of the homophobia, me are gonna be affected by it. So you're relying on an avoidance of homophobia to essentially make a claim that at a particular level, have a little bit of sprinkle in there because it's about seeing something so problematic with being queer that you will sue for it if you don't want that association, right? And it, it, it gives cishet people a way out when they are potentially associated with homophobia, while our legal system not really do that for queer people who are actually faced with homophobia on a daily basis, right? We have to deal with different things. I mean, there are no real laws that protect us from harassment on the roads. Um, but if a straight person, so in, in other words, me can walk my business as a queer person and somebody come about a man from afar, I don't have a cause of action because maybe them go, them go say, all right, you're right after the picture in the dress here, books. Me not a case no more, <laughs> justification. Same tweet here, books. So my harassment goes unprotected, but a straight person who that happens to, their harassment is protected and that, that it does sit well with me, right? It does sit well with me. So I, that's why but, but okay, so, but in, in countries that have, and, and, and I also don't see, because I, I think people, people always look at countries like, UK and US and even though they have advanced in like UK has um, the Equality Act, UK is still, there, there's still hate crimes, there's still a level of homophobia that exists, right? And even though they paint themselves as, um, I don't even know what word it is, a, a safe haven for um, queer people in, in America, um, just recently, we, 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 they were arguing, um, don't say gay. So for those judges who said, all right, cool, these laws were, 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 were passed, but there, there's still a level of not everybody in the country accept LGBT people. Like what is the, as you said, in, in Jamaica, like what is the, how can we be like, all right, compared to 10 years or 20 years ago, um when people used to when, even when they doing the do doing and jones case even when um the the the, the head of j flag um who was killed compared to then when those things used to happen I, i'm not understanding as i said what we're, we're using to say that jamaica hasn't advanced um people don't think people don't think people don't think less of um, LGBT people. In a, in a way, we have kind of made the progress. So we don't, so Bogula is still on the books. But when you, when you go around and, and speak to people, people really and truly don't hold the same views um, as they do. And if, and if, if societal, if, if the societal attitude is kind of what we still use, as you said, it's kind of subjective. How do we get to the point that we said, all right, 
nobody will ever the entire country will never be accepting of lgbt people we grew up in in um knowing in man and woman we grew up in a heteronormative um, society how do we get to the point to be like this is not um defamatory anymore yeah that's right that's and that's what it makes me uncomfortable right because on the one side of course we know you know, we still get reports of things happening. We know people still have certain experiences. So I completely understand where it comes from. And, and, and we, I mean, I will always say we need to acknowledge your progress, but of course, progress has not been the same for everybody everywhere in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. So I get it. It's like it's I a mean, name. But it's also, just... it's also the same. My thing is, it's also the same in countries that have laws that protect LGBT people still uk there's a there's a rise in hate crime in the uk they have equality act yeah so for me i i guess my preference would be if a determination as to what is defamatory was to the best of a court's ability i mean i i guess it really does depend on what a lawyer puts before a judge but at least was based on especially when you're talking about membership in marginalized communities. It's one thing when you're saying, this person uh, did a thing that we consider bad. So for example, you call like a, go back to a thief. This person is a thief. This person is corrupt. That's about what you do. It's not about who you are. And I think when we're talking about who people are, I think I know people feel about who people are. Mm-hmm. I think the responsibility on the court to kind of do more than say what they feel based on a judge's limited experience and do a little bit more to look at well, what is the research saying? Um, what is the documentation? Because I still think it sends a message about the ability of, as we say, straight people to say, I don't want to contend with homophobia and to protect me from it and defamation claim allows them to do that um, while we don't provide tantamount protection for queer people. So it would always puts me in a weird state, but I will also say if, if you, particularly more so for the queer people, if you honestly feel like defamation claim is, oh, you are gonna be able to stop somebody from the certain things and the certain things that are negatively impacting your life and livelihood. Then I say, well, be careful, but anything you want to right? <laughs> but that brings me on to the lovely story of Oscar Wilde. <laughs> Do you know, actually know the story? Uh, I said it to you. I, I, I did tell you, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. So children get around. Also, y'all should watch the movie. There's a movie about Oscar Wilde's life. So y'all should watch it. Um, so Oscar Wilde is this, I mean, amazing Irish poet and playwright. Um, had some very interesting works and was a shining star at the time. Um, some of his ma- amazing works are like the portrait of Dorian Gray and things like uh, the profundest that he wrote while he was in prison. Um, and so he had some good things going for him, right? And he was really bringing that Irish Renaissance, you know, Irish literature Renaissance. And my love, Oscar was a song, insofar as we can label it. But of course, he married him having children and everything. But as part of his sonship, 
he falls for the son of a marquis. And a marquis is a, one of them local, like local government officials, I think. Um, back in the day, I think Oscar was the, in the late 1800s. So he's in this tryst with the son of a marquis and the mother them saying, of course, Oscar does them, them involve male sex workers in, in it as well. So the, 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 the father of the, the, the marquis himself, him not like Oscar Wilkes, you know, there's also this age differential between the son and Oscar. Um, and so he threw, I remember, so he vandalized one of Oscar's play throwing a stone and essentially called Oscar Sodomite when vandalizing the play. And this is where Oscar go wrong. So Oscar made the look of Pitney in nine ears who vexed with him poopa. They mean in nine ears and say, well, sumo father. I don't know why you make people tell you to sue them, Papa. I'll ask a friend to ask her, don't do it, ask her, don't do it. I'll ask her, I society queer friend them to ask her, please, I beg you to don't do it. Ask her, sue is the father for the marquee for libel. What ask her did not count on, right? In the lawsuit, while he might be. You know, him, him, him flip on self both things and be, you know, smart and I give up a cute turn of phrases. What Oscar did not count on was the fact say the marquee was going to get all of the male sex work at him, or a good amount of the male sex work at him. When did I do things with Oscar to testify that, yes, me and Oscar the things. Oscar is a satellite. And so, of course, Oscar loses the case uh, because. If the man have justification, a true, but it didn't stop there. So after Oscar loses the civil trial, I mean, by the time the Allen put them left Ireland in a cardinal into the foolishness, we need to don't need Oscar I so then he both. Um, Oscar is charged by the, by the state. Uh, so he's prosecuted for basically what we have in our laws, which is section 79 of the Offenses Against the Persons Act, which says any act of male-to-male -male intimacy is a crime. So while I can't prove, if you can't prove that the, the penis went into the anus, right? If you can at least prove that some something did happen in between the two men, then it's a crime. So Oscar is sentenced to two years in prison uh, at hard labor. Um, and Nigga goes through it because he's sentenced to two years in prison in labor. And after two years in prison, I think he dies a few years after. So this, you know, this shiny, because it was rough on him, this shining star um, of, you know, the Irish literature scene kind of burns out because he was pursuing um, this, legal, this legal avenue to deal with homophobia. And so while I'm not saying this is Oscar's fault, um, it's not, I always say to people, make sure say, if you are actively considering swing anybody because I'm Kali fish, Batman, so whatever, please make sure that there is no evidence out there anywhere, especially in the age of now. Like back in the day, 
You need have to get somebody to come and testify and say, well, yes, me and them did the things. And the court will decide whether or not they believe. No picture they about. Right? People can screenshot. Mm -hmm. Right? People have video themselves. Right? There's social media. People will disdain you. So my thing is, if you only in instances where you are sure that you, nobody will be able to prove that you do any queer not with nobody. I would suggest a different avenue. I mean, there may be options depending on what the person did, what the person said. Um, if, it, if it constitutes cyberbullying, there may be options. So, yeah. But my thing is always just stop by. I'm by the definition of love because if you get the right person, who decides that we're never going to talk to with you in that courtroom? Yeah, it, it may not end well. So, children, anywhere, anybody listening, I beg of you, avoid it altogether. And that's why, and that's also why I'm not here for using defamation to solve homophobia. Because I, I was just going to ask you if, because <laughs> if there's an issue with straight people kind of bringing it to be like, all right, him call me, him say me so, but me so, and me feel like people are going to look pa down for me. How, when a queer person who is, yeah, when a queer person uses it as a defense, what does that also say about? For me, it buys into the argument that's up around with me. Yes. That's also another part of it. Like, I am, if I am, I accept the, the view that being queer makes me less than, and that's why I'm saying for the because, because a part of it is I don't want to be associated with these words. That means uh, something you know you don't want to be associated with queerness. And once again, this is different for everybody. I can appreciate that. Or different type of circumstances a person may be in. It may be strategic and best, and it may have everything to do with their life anyway. But if you know you work somewhere when Naga affect that, and yeah, your family will work, will eventually work it out. I just I, I question the value in doing something like that, you know? And I I question it because I feel like while I do think we need different ways of protecting people um in society when they're faced with like certain forms of harassment because if you see me a road and you publicly harass me about being queer then there, sh there should be a type of protection from that right i think that's what we need and i think allowing straight people to be able to benefit from that kind of protection um when they're being called queer is a better way of uh, handling the issue as opposed to saying we don't want to associate with that. So I go sue you for shut you up so you don't ever associate with that. So that is my discomfort. And I feel that way, not just about queerness. I feel that way when we're talking about persons living with HIV. Um, I feel that way when we talk about like a range of things. I feel like use other legal remedies. Like, because also, I mean, I feel like there are other things that have been unexplored. We, we've not explored like the tort of a breach of confidence. We've not explored it a lot. There are, there are different things. Like if somebody does like put out 
your sex tape, right? That's a crime. Right? That's a whole ass crime. Um, so you can have that something obscenely posted about you without your consent. Like you can have the police deal with that. There are options. That's, and I feel like if, if we approach it from, let's protect people from the harm of something personal about them being shared without their consent, their privacy being violated, right? I think it's a better way than the defamation bits. But maybe I'll come out. I don't know. So, okay. So I think I have two like final questions. I think from um, one, I know um, civil society organizations have been lobbying for um, an anti-discrimination legislation and, and would this be something that maybe if not fully protect but would protect um queer people as i said if you're walking down the street and somebody um call you uh well yeah if, if you're walking in the street and somebody kind of harass you in, in a way um would this in a sense protect um queer people from that and i think the the, the other one which I can't remember. Oh, just I know no, you're not representing um the organization here, but <laughs> sometimes you can't um divorce yourself from the position. Um and and as the only, well, I'm going to say the only organization who deals specifically specifically with LGBT um issues and advocacy issues. Um, what's kind of, and I'll say like our role, what's kind of our role in kind of providing other, we call it remedies, or kind of letting people know that these are the different avenues that um, you can go um, to, because I know We've done a we've done a, a good job in a sense because I, I um I know for example if you're in a queer relationship, um we've done a, a good job in telling people how you might not benefit, um you you possibly you can possibly can put you um on the will as them partner whatever but this is also if you get in a house together this is how we can do it this is how we can benefit in 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 what ways can we show LGBT persons in Jamaica that if this situation happens to you, the, these are the different legal rules that you can take to kind of access justice. Okay. Hold on. Feel like, feel like, forget the first question. We the first one was on the, the anti-discrimination legislation. Right, right, right. Oh, yes. So the, that, the easy answer to that is it depends. And so, for example, in the Equality Act in the UK, they do have a section, a section on protection from harassment, right? So it could be treated as a form of discrimination and harassment being a specific form of discrimination faced by certain marginalized communities um, that you know, people can respond to. Um, so that's one option. Or it could be just like a separate legislative framework that people have. So, so the, the, the answer is the option is there. It really does depend on what the appetite of a legislator is. And I know in the model um, legislation that the civil society developed around anti-discrimination, if I remember correctly, there were some provisions, uh, model provisions on you know, harassment and responding to that. So it's very much a possibility to do it within that framework. Um, the second question. So funny story, I remember in 2017, I something flipped number it on what are the legal responses to outing? Like, I don't know, like if I'm outed, what can happen, right? And so we did Eichel 
and just do a whole policy brief, do like groups of groups of research allowed, and try to figure out what were the potential leader responses to outing. And I've updated it over time. So what has happened is um, there are like, I think there, there, sh there should be videos, not just on our social media, also should be on our YouTube, in our legal literacy series that tells uh, the like average LGBT Jamaican, how do you, and what are your options for responding to um, outing? How do you respond to certain forms of harassment? What are the gaps within the laws and where you can actually get the protection? And it's an ongoing conversation within civil society. So I, you know, I, I, I remember when, you know, a colleague of mine was working with JFJ and she deals with some, some of these matters. I would say, I mean, here's some potential for, you know, looking at um, this issue. Here, here's a potential unexplored avenue for addressing that. Because as I said, there's a specific tort, just like a defamation is a tort. There's a, there's a specific tort called breach of confidence that I've not really seen a lot of local cases on it. The only case I'm aware of is a Trinidadian case where uh, a, 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 a cricketer had posted revenge porn about a woman he was with and she sued him for breach of confidence and won. So, we, so, but I think that means that if it can't happen in Trinidad, it can't happen here. So I know it's a possibility. I just don't know how many, if, we, if we've yet to have any local cases on it. But the rub is, when it comes to like matters like this, if your issue is that someone spoke about your sexuality or openly disclosed your sexuality, or if you're, if you're taking, it, taking it from that angle that they did not have a right to share this information. The challenge is most people who are so moved by the fact that they did that, are not likely to go before a court and say, this is my private information and the person shared this. And then the other part of it is um, for like a gay man, what are you admitting to in court when you say I'm gay, right? I mean, to be clear, being gay, just being gay is not a crime in Jamaica. So there is mm -hmm. that. And definitely, um, there's no criminality that happens between two women, two adult women having consensual sex. But mm -hmm. I think there will always be a reticence among certain marginalized communities to be able to say, I was treated this way because of my marginalized identity. So even if we say to them, oh, these are options, a lot of them just probably would want to go forward with a, a case. But the options are there. You can like go to JFJ, or, or if you want to come to us, I will forward it over to JFJ because we don't like the Philbona work, but they do. And they have somebody who will focus on like core issues. Um, my view is whenever people come with matters within the community, there's a talking through that has to happen. Um, a part of the talking through is, okay, these are your options. He's not a liar, but legally this is what, could, have, could be a possibility. Um, but I need you to think about what it means to go through this legal process, right? Um, and I think that's a, a lot of the missing part, like going through any type of case. First of all, seeing anybody in Jamaica don't really make sense because the court date them 
the trial date, if, if it goes to trial, are five years from when you file a claim, and that if you, you do a case management quick enough. So there's also that. So my rule is, what are the other options? Are you willing to do mediation um, with the person? I'm a certified mediator. <laughs> um, but are you willing to do mediation with the person to talk about other ways that you can address what they did? Because if a suyagasu, you're in for a hell of a journey. And so that's also a part of the issue for me as well that even if there are up there are avenues on paper, the reality of it may be different. So um, but it's a conversation and I think our role as an organization is to one, tell people what the avenues are and then two, explain to them the process. Like what did, what is it actually going to be like to go through this process of trying to access justice? And are there other ways that I can access justice? Because a lot of people don't even feel like courtrooms give them just, justice. Um, so that we can actually feel like my issue was resolved. So, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Because I, I think we, and I, 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 I think the, the last part is, kind of, is, is important because I, I think sometimes we tell people what justice should look like for them um when they don't necessarily want to go through um that person i think yeah, as i said people need to be presented um with options and to know that this isn't the, the court system that we know um and we know our family go every um every month them have to go court and five years and ten years are in it that's not the only option that you can pursue these are other um kind of things i think it's important to present people with these are the other things because it does in a, in a society like like as i said we've advanced but i think at, at the back of our minds we also have to kind of acknowledge that we're possibly not at the level where other countries are mm -hmm. um so it does you pursuing um option a possibly would cause you more damage than if you um, pursued um, option D and are you really and truly willing to kind of go through all of that to, to what end? Yeah, because, yeah, and that's my thing, just to say like, in order to even pursue some of these things, they have to be willing to show up as your vulnerable, your vulnerable identity. And if you can't do that, then I feel like, and that's for me where a lot of the work needs to be done. We need to make our community feel like they can show up as they work their, their marginalized identity in the spaces so that they can actually access justice on the basis of what happened to them because of that identity. So that, that's the, the, the big part that I think is missing, that people are ready to say, but this happened to me because they so. And so I wonder, yeah, until you're ready to do that, the legal system will go so far and no more. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and the last thing I will say, you know, we've been a chat, is the psychosocial support. Because if something happens to you and you feel really wrong by it, you may want support to just talk through that. And the court doesn't give you that. The court might give you the money if you push through the case to the end. And also, winning a case, I must be to get the money. Anyways, with God, the person get out of this fast and then impecunious. Um, or maybe the person get get up, get, get convicted of whatever if it was a criminal case. Um, but that doesn't deal with the hurt a lot of times. 
And so we have to think about that as well. How do we get people to acknowledge that there's a hurt there that even as you pursue legal remedies, need to be need to be addressed. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Child, you know, access to justice, I'm a little era where we can go on forever and ever. But, but we, we have to kind of shut it down now because I get ready for for go old food. I hope I hope um, but so thank you everybody. I know we've been missing the action. I apologize. We apologize, but thank you for showing up and showing out for us, right? We have a few more episodes left um, this season, right? So me, at this point, we're not going to go through the entire Corona spiel. We're supposed to know when I do COVID, they are one stage in a way. If we may not do it before, I don't know about no. So. <laughs> <laughs> But no one is supposed to do, right? Um, like, share, subscribe, you know, give us feedback about the podcast. You can reach out to us at fishtpodcast at gmail.com. Um, if you want to email us or at fishtpodcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, let us know what you think. Give us topic suggestions and so on. And as I always say, darlings, stay sophisticated. Bye. Bye.